this is What's the Story? I'm Kim Burns, and I'm here with uh, Washington journalist Patrick Pexton, who has had jobs for the last three decades all over Capitol Hill, all over Washington, from the Washington Post Ombudsman to the current roll call as policy editor. And Patrick? Yes. Uh, nice to see you, Kim. Nice uh, to see you. It's a busy time. It's a, we're having this gorgeous fall weather in Washington. I mean, it's just crystal clear, gorgeous, cool breezes, lovely. And of course, you know, seven miles from my house down at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, it doesn't look so pretty. Uh, so it's kind of a, a ghost town now. I mean, it's really interesting. Uh, how are they even managing that? I mean, nobody's really at the White House. Is that right? I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean Trump is- there's, there's always some people at the White House, but many fewer, particularly in the last two weeks. Like we are not sending our White House correspondent to the White House until we have some sense of comfort that this is better. Actually, right. most newspapers, most news outlets are not sending their people to the White House right now. And you know, you the, press, the press area is super cramped. Uh, and um, uh, it's always a risk there, although our people always wear masks. I think almost all the media people wear masks, but it's very tight space if you're in the press secretary at, uh, area. And most of the Trump people until recently were not wearing masks, most of the, a press staff, including Kaylee and whatnot, they were not wearing masks. So we basically pulled our correspondent out for the time being until we have some sort of reassurance. Well, and I'm guessing that even if you had a correspondent there, you wouldn't be getting a lot of information right now. I mean, it's fits and starts and uh, I mean, they're not reporting from the White House, are they? Uh, no, I mean, there's always, uh, there's a, a wire photographer there usually and, there, and there's a pool, the White House has a pool where we all trade off uh, for certain events that involve the president physically, like a, a you know a visit to his golf course or a rally. There's a pool of reporters that go and they feed uh, they their news feed. They produce all the other members of the pool, so that it's usually a pretty small group uh, since COVID. So, but going back to that, because uh, President Trump was so forthright about holding rallies and having um, people mixing without masks. Uh, uh, were your people or were people that were being sent there, were they saying, this isn't smart, I don't want to be there, or as journalists, they just said, oh, well, I'll mask up and that's the end of it? Uh, it depended on the news organization. We decided not to send anyone after COVID lockdown. Uh, we have sent our reporter to the White House for certain occasions, uh, but we have not sent them on any presidential travel since then. And it's up to each news organization. It's still, we have some obligations because we're in the pool. Um, we have to send a photographer periodically uh, who does a, a news feed for, for photos. And, um, and we send our correspondent periodically, but we have not sent them on any presidential travel. Interesting. We just thought that was too risky. Right. That's going back to April, so. Right. Yeah. So, and that's a huge amount of time. And of course, uh, we're not exactly going in a direction that we were hoping the country would be in, particularly four weeks before an election. But let's briefly talk about what happened last night uh, in the vice presidential debates. What was your take on I mean, it's, it? It sort of seemed like it was a wash. I mean, to me, it was a big who cares. But after the shenanigans of <laughs> the presidential debate, it was just, yeah. it was no fun. Yeah, I mean, at least, yeah, I mean, it was civil uh to a degree uh, yes they didn't answer questions you can cite both sides didn't ask, answer particular questions uh pence was better at that than or worse at that depending on your point of view than 
Kamala Harris, I think most of the time he didn't answer the questions. She often didn't, but very often did. And so he certainly was more on point. He would often just switch the point completely, which he's pretty good at. He was a former radio talk show host, so we, he knows how to do that. Um, I think it's kind of a wash too, but I think it's really important to remember that the Trump people will think good of Pence, particularly evangelicals will think good of him, they like him anyway. Um, but I think it's really important for the country to see Kamala Harris in action. She's not very well known by the broad public. And in that case, I think she did everything she had to do. She looked smart, she looked right. prepared, she looked warm. Um, she didn't come across as nasty or an angry black woman, which is a really hard thread to narrow, but she did it. Uh, so I think probably it's a net plus for her. We know what Pence is like. Right. Uh, Trump's people will love him. They'll hate her, but that it's really what's important now is that 10% in the middle who may not be decided. It's hard to believe there are undecideds, but there are. And those people are the most important. And I think Kamala Harris looked sufficiently vice presidential uh, to, to score there. Whether it's a win, I don't think it really matters if somebody won or lost. I think right. she, she kind of probably reassured a lot of people. Well, uh, the thing that I didn't like, which she was probably told to do, was each question that she was asked, her response began with what Joe Biden is going to do, what Joe Biden is yes. going to do. So it was never about her, but it was to such a severe degree that it was a very studied, very political response versus who she really is. And yes. so... I was taken aback by that and would have liked to see a, a little bit more of her. We know she needs to speak for Joe because we don't want the undecideds to say, oh, well, she thinks she's president because she's a strong woman who you know, has a track record. Yeah, I wish, I agree with you. I wish she had done more personal biography. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, it may seem late in the game to do that, but people, there are a lot of people who just don't know her that well. Uh, and I wish she had done more of that. She had one question where she got that in, but she could have used her own personal biography, which is interesting, to buttress some of those uh, points that she made. I wish she had done a little bit more of that. Right. Well, I think that probably she was hesitant also because of Maya Rudolph's amazing SNL impersonation of her being extremely <laughs> dramatic and talking about herself. So I'm just saying that there may be hesitancy. There may be, there may there be. There may be. Yes, yes. All right, it's so, it's so good. But uh, it, let's get back really to the presidential yeah. debate. Yeah. Oh, I mean, what were the real insiders like yourself talking about after, at, while you were watching this zany, crazy show with really President Trump, what else could we say, having temper tantrums every couple of minutes, cutting people off. I, I know that, I think it was the Washington Post came out and said, we have got to be able to cut off these mics. Yeah, yeah, a lot of people felt that uh, the moderator, I mean, I think Chris Wallace looked weak as a moderator and he's not a weak guy, but he looked terribly weak there and was not good. In the first half hour, didn't even try to cut off Trump, just let him go. Uh, maybe that was what he wanted to do, but I doubt it. Um, it was a shit show. I mean, I agreed with Dana Bash when she came out and said that on cable television. I was going, whoa. But it was. And, but I think there was a little too much on the media of blaming those sides. I don't really think there's much blame there on Joe Biden. Yes, he called him a clown. You know, some things like that are probably not the best things in the world to do. Um, but Trump was 
vicious. And I think that was a total strategy on his part. Let's just intimidate the crap out of uh, Joe Biden. And I think that's what it was all about. And yeah, except for that, there were so many low blows on, you know, Hunter and Bo Biden. That attack was beyond measure. And but Biden came I, back good with that saying, my son has had, Hunter's had uh, drug issues and dependency issues and and he's worked through them and I'm proud of him. I mean, that's a great comeback. Any Amer any family member can kind of understand that. So I think those are yep. points that Biden scored well on actually. Uh, I agree. Yes, I mean, Biden wasn't as sharp. I've seen him when he's sharper than he was that night. But when you've got this voice over on your right, just coming after you constantly, uh, and with a fusillade of lies, what do you do about it? This is just not an easy thing to do for people. Um, no, I, th I think he handled it. I mean, just to say, oh, shut up, man. I mean, anybody would yeah. have said that. I, you know, yeah. you would have said it a hundred times. You would have wanted to go over there and punch him in the nose. But yeah, exactly. I yeah. thought, I thought Joe held his ground considering bullying like that yeah. on national television would be very hard to withstand. Yeah. Now they're saying that, of course, they're not going to be doing live debates or in-person debates. And in Trump announced today that he will not participate in any type of virtual debate. What's your opinion? I think that's maybe not the last word. Uh, Trump is volatile, particularly now under medication. Just seems that way to everybody. Uh, even those close to him say that. Uh, he's changed his mind constantly. I don't think we have the final word on this next debate yet. I think there could be behind the scenes negotiations. So I think we ought to wait till we see the current state of play is that uh, Biden said, sure, I'll do a remote uh, debate. Although this is supposed to be a town hall where people ask questions, they can still do that. Um, and Trump said, no, if it's not in person, I don't want to do it. But we'll see. I think, you know, there's a whole other week left. Uh, don't, don't take that as the final answer. Right. Of course. Well, he always thinks whatever he says is definitive. But yeah, yeah. Uh, what about getting COVID and then him coming out and basically saying he got it on purpose so he could show himself as a leader who's not afraid? I just think that's nonsense. Uh, I think there's so much about this we do not know. I mean, the, the White House is refusing to say when he last tested uh, negative, like, was it days before they reported him infected? Or was it we just don't know. They're not telling us things that they ought to tell us. Uh, I think we all have a right to know as the, as the President of the United States what his health status is. So I, I just don't think we can believe anything they're telling us and they're not telling us very much. So I mean, he could be the super spreader or he could have gotten it at the Gold Star Families event. He could have right. gotten it on one of his rallies or one of his presidential trips. He could have gotten it anywhere. He may not be the super spreader. There may be somebody else who is. We don't know because they're they're only doing contact tracing going back 48 hours. That is just not sufficient. Any the CDC will tell you that the state health authorities will tell you that. Right. You're going to do real contact tracing. You have to go back days and days, and they're well, clearly not doing that. They were trying to blame Hope Hicks, which I thought was sort of interesting. Yeah, I think that was just a momentary gambit, and they came off of that pretty fast. Uh, I think she, she probably volunteered to have it tagged on her. Um, I don't think we know. I don't think she's likely the super spreader. I don't think we know the bottom of this yet. And we're never going to because the White House will not do the work to figure well, it out. Well, and also Dr. Sean Connolly has been misleading people. And I, I mean, what a, what a sham. Yeah. <laughs> a, a doctor standing in front of people and, and making up stories too. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, yes, there are HIPAA rules, which technically keep yours and my medical records private. But for the president of the United States, it's always been an exception. And the presidents have usually waived that privacy to give people uh, information. But uh, you know, the doctor, it's hard for him. He's a Navy commander. 
he's not even an admiral and he's fairly junior on the totem pole. Mm -hmm. he could, he's probably close to his 20 year not to be, to be eligible for uh, retirement. If he says no to things, that could be the end of his career. And Got it. I don't think he wants to risk that. I, I don't want to you know, apologize for him, but people have to realize that when your commander chief tells you something and you're in the military, you hop to it unless there's a darn good reason not to. Uh, particularly someone like this who's not, he's not a, an 06, he's not an 0, he's a commander and he's not that senior in the ranks. Right, and, um, got it. It's hard for him to push back. So I know that it must have been a very sad day in Washington when Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed. Were you at all involved with that or ever had colleagues that were? Yes, I had co colleagues who were in, involved with that uh, pretty closely. We have a Supreme Court full-time reporter and uh, people who are around the office who knew her. She was really beloved by, yes. by women particularly, but by, by liberals everywhere and by a lot of conservatives too. I mean, she got along very well with all of her Supreme Court colleagues. I mean, the office staff, the clerks, the fellow justices, uh, no one really had a bad thing to say about her in her personal dealings with the whole court infrastructure and a very gracious lady, uh, a real fighter. Um, I think she was very much beloved. I think there's some back talk that people wish she had resigned in the full time of Obama's term. Right. Although, yes. you know, Scalia died and a year left uh, in the term and, and McConnell wouldn't take a nomination. Yeah, we still had a problem, right? Still had a problem. But uh, I think there's some people who feel, gosh, I wish he had done the wise thing and in the middle of Obama's second term just stepped down because she already right. had cancer then. Right. Uh, we would so. have we would have had a little time then. I, when I yeah. was hanging out with you in Washington years ago, I uh, was with Justice Ginsburg at the Italian embassy drinking wine and it was right after the her descent on the Gore Bush debacle with the hanging chads. Yeah, Very yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's uh I urge people to go back and read that decision. It's only three pages long. It's probably the worst court decision I have ever read. Right. Uh, so I mean it's badly written. It's not well reasoned. It was such a clear political a case and a, and a lousy opinion. I mean, really, it's often very good to read these Supreme Court opinions. They're not that long, a lot of them. And, and you can read them and go, that's it? I mean. Uh, <laughs> right, well, I want to say, you know, I, I had the luxury of having the, a discussion with her about it. And uh, her husband, Martin, came over he, with the drink and boy, was he a lovely, lovely guy. Yeah. Yeah. And all she could do was laugh at him because he had spilled food all over his tie. <laughs> And, you know, we sat there and laughed about Martin making a mess of himself at, this, at the Italian embassy. It was, it was just a, a great moment. But yeah, anyway, I, I would like to get your opinion on what's going to be happening with um, Judge Amy Coney Barrett okay. then. Uh, cool. Some people are saying she's only had three years as a judge. Uh, Justice Ginsburg had 13. Uh, is, is this premature? I mean, let's put politics aside of trying to push this through and what's going to happen with that. Is she yeah. qualified at this at this moment in time? I think most people, I mean, she hasn't been a judge for that long, but she certainly has been a legal scholar for a good many years. She clerked for Justice Scalia in the Supreme Court. Um, the Washington Post did a very good story on the Justice Ginsburg's clerks at the time that uh, Judge Barrett was there working for Scalia. And Judge uh, Ginsburg's clerks at the time said she was gracious, smart, easy to work with. They had no, you know, she said, you know, her judicial philosophy is one thing, but as a person, as a human being, 
they all thought that she was terrific and they all got along with her. So I, I don't think she's an ogre. Um, one more Catholic on the court. I don't know why we have so many. I'm a Roman Catholic. I don't know why we have six or seven Catholics on the court. I just think that is such a not a balanced court. Um, well, so then everybody's saying that because it would be such an imbalance, then of course, Chief Justice Roberts is going to have a problem uh, with any moderate attempts. Aren't there any rules in place that stop having six or seven Catholic justices on the court? I mean, there are no, no rules. There's no rules. It's whoever the president appoints and the Senate approves. And you know, the Senate has the votes. I think she'll get through. I don't really see this being stopped. Um, there are parliamentary maneuvers that the Democrats can try, but they really are not very effective. And this is in part their own fault. It was Harry Reid, the majority leader, under the first two, two years of Obama that got rid of the filibuster for court nominations. That means they, have, they only have to get 51 votes right. uh, and not 60. So uh, Harry Reid did that. Uh, a lot of people didn't think it was a good idea and it's proved to be not such a great idea because McConnell has used it to put 300 judges on the three levels of federal bench. So um, these conservatives will be with us for a very long time. Some of them are highly qualified that right. Trump has appointed. Some of them are just not. Right. Uh, and, and Amy Coney Barrett is probably one of the smartest lawyers. Everybody says that, but in terms of her judicial experience, it's not that wide. Still, right. still she was declared qualified by the ABA. Uh, but, you know, she doesn't have long judicial experience, but neither did Gorsuch and neither did uh, Kavanaugh. So, Well, obviously, we're going to have an issue down the road with Roe Ro v. Wade if, yeah. in fact, we have these many conservatives. But... What about the open dockets now of the Affordable Care Act and religious freedom and gay rights? And uh, yeah, those are. I mean, the Affordable Care Act that's coming before the court November tenth, right after the election. Uh, if she's on the court, which she could be by then, um, I don't know what happens. Now, I think most legal scholars think that this court suit that the Trump administration has backed. It's actually brought by the state attorneys general of, of about 10, 15 states, conservative red states. The Trump administration has backed it legally with, with briefs. Uh, but I think most legal scholars say this probably won't overturn it because it hinges on this clause called severability is, is because the mandate to have insurance, which was overthrown by the court, although the law was preserved, does that make the whole law unconstitutional? I think Justice Roberts has already been pretty clear. No, if one part of the law is unconstitutional, it doesn't mean the whole law is unconstitutional. Right. So I think they could lose that case, even with Judge Barrett on the court. Uh, I don't think that's a slam dunk against the Affordable Care Act. So, uh, but other I mean, cases, but she's a conservative. I mean, right. <laughs> she is a true blue <laughs> conservative. I don't want everybody to get the impression she's not, because she is. Uh, and the decisions we do have uh, in her two or three years on the court are pretty much on the solid conservative side. I mean, what's your opinion about uh, the president who wins the election selecting the person for this? Yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I mean, I think, I think the new president should decide whether it's Trump or Joe Biden. I just think that's, it's not because uh, I'm left or right. I'm a registered independent. I just think that makes more sense. Right. Uh, well, and why do, why push it through? It's an insane yeah. time right now. We're like, nobody has enough to worry about as it is. I mean, I know this, we have. COVID relief bills that are stalled. I mean, the House has passed two and McConnell will take them up. So, I mean, uh, I, I would argue that is more important than a Supreme Court judge, but- So what are, the they do, what are they gonna do with the COVID relief bills? I mean, everybody is up in arms about that and you're right. And then all this attention is being given to this seat instead, which yeah. is 
completely political, obviously. Yeah, and I think that hurts. It may help uh, Trump's base, but Trump's base is already going to vote for him. I don't think that, I think it hurts them from with swing voters to do this. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are, there are back channel talks going on. It's possible a relief bill could pass, but I'm not, I would, I would lay odds that it won't pass. Okay, so what is happening with mail-in ballots and have we gotten past uh, the stuff that's being made up or, or what, what's the real story that you're hearing in Washington? I mean, how much of this is fabrication? I mean, I think uh, there's not a lot of fraud involved in mail-in voting. Oregon's been doing mail-in voting for like 10 years now. All, all of their votes are mail-in. Um, the only place where there could be potential fraud, where like the District of Columbia has got a lot of uh, criticism this week because they sent out a lot of ballots to everyone in the District of Columbia, including probably people who are no longer on the rolls who are dead. So the, the Republicans say, well, gee whiz, anybody could fill out that ballot at home and, and send it in. Uh, but they do audits of the ballots, all, all jurisdictions do. And, and if they find duplicates or if they find that this person um, is deceased or whatever, they, they don't they don't count that vote. All jurisdictions do that. A lot of people don't understand that local election jurisdictions who do this, they're pretty professional, even though they use volunteers during election, the election cycle to sure. do man the polls. These people generally know what they're doing uh, and they've done it for a good number of years and the vote counting is usually pretty routine. Um, so I think it's, it's not good to alarm people, but it's also, and I think most local jurisdictions do it pretty well and pretty honestly. However, having said that, anything that's online, anything that is, and there's not much online about a voting process, there's very little, but in some jurisdictions, actually many jurisdictions, some of the vote totals are sent over an internet line to the central office. A lot of jurisdictions have stopped doing that. They're just going to carry them in their car because they're worried about uh, hacking. Hacking is a real issue, and the, the Russians are very sophisticated at it, and as are other people. So, uh, Right. I was going to say, I mean, if anything's going to... worry taint this, it would be something like a Russian hack, not that Joe Smith decides to fill out all 10 ballots and came right. to his house. Exactly. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. And yeah. that's not going to make a big edge. But if somebody was manipulating the numbers, right. or, that's, that's or a takes different... down a, a, a voter registration site, you know, in the day or two uh, right. of the election before, that could really cause a lot of havoc. Plus, we also know that because there's so many mail-in ballots, it's going to take days before we have a final count. Right, which uh, is another scary days. thing. I mean, yeah. so what if, in fact, you know, Biden appears to be the victor, then, you know, you've got these days on end where Trump is, you know, spinning the story. Uh, is that going to make I think that, that situation more complicated? Because he's already yeah. said he's not going to believe the numbers. Yeah, I think that's very worrisome. Uh, now, I think with Trump, you always have to take into account that he loves goading and provoking the liberals. I mean, he, he just loves doing that. And often he says things just to spin up the whole liberal cycle. And, and liberals fall Unfortunately, for it. Unfortunately, it works. It works. It works. Uh, so sometimes it's just that. He's just tweaking you. But sometimes he's serious. So it's hard to know. I mean, I think he probably is serious. He probably in the days and hours after November 3rd will be out there cheat, hoax, fake, you know, I'm sure he'll be out there doing that. And it's really going to be a test of Americans' discipline to hold on, wait for a final count. It takes a few days. The, the question I have is, what about all the right-wing militant groups that he stirred up? You know, we had this arrest today by the FBI of a group 
who wanted to kidnap Governor Whitmer in Michigan and, and potentially right. kill him. I, mean, I know. Now we're what if these guys are spun up, you know, yeah. and they start taking to the streets with their guns, you know. Yeah. Well, that's. I, I think a lot of people are concerned about that, Patrick. I mean, it's yeah. not just about whether or not he, you know, Trump, in the event that he loses, understands this is reality. Yeah. Uh, and not reality TV. It's more about those people that he's dragged along, who he's riled up, who who have shown that they are capable of violence. Yeah, those are. I, I think those are when you talk to law enforcement, uh, you know, neutral law enforcement, uh, professional people at the FBI and the, uh, and the Justice Department below William Barr, they're, they're worried about that. Um, sure. Uh, that may be why they tried to arrest arrest this group in Michigan, because they're worried if you know you don't stop them now, they might do something post election. I think that's a genuine worry. It really is. Right. Uh, the FBI director, Christopher Wray, um, not a liberal fellow, has come out you know, three times in recent weeks saying, hey, the white, uh, the white nationalist right wing is a danger. Um, right. He said that very clearly. So. so what do you think about actually going to vote? I, for one, am going to vote. Uh, what's your take on it? And what's the word in Washington about people actually showing up at the polls? Well, the, so in Maryland, which is my jurisdiction, um, there will be many fewer polling places open. Like my neighborhood polling place will not be open. They can't get enough poll workers because most poll workers are retired people who do it to be good citizens. Uh, and they can't get enough. And older people are worried about COVID. So mm -hmm. my local polling place is going to be closed. I'll ha I'd have to go into North Chevy Chase to, to vote. It's not that far. I could do it. Uh, but probably I'm going to fill out, I, I got a mail-in ballot and I'm going to fill it out and deposit it in one of the direct county bins. That's what I'm going to do. Uh, and how do people find out where the direct county bins are for them? When in, our, in our county, when they sent the, the, the sample ballot and when they sent the real ballot, they have complete instructions on where all the drop-off bins are, you know, what hours you can go. Um, and, and there'll still be many polling places open in Montgomery County here, but many fewer than a normal election because they can't get enough workers. Right. Um, so, uh, yeah, part of me wants to vote in person, but I think I'm going to do it this way. Okay. And what do you recommend for most people? That very, that very thing, unless they feel like, for example, our polling is right down the street, simple, usually anytime I voted, which is every election, yeah. it's, it's not full to begin with. Yeah, ours is usually never full right down our street too, but now that one's going to be closed. So I'd have to drive. Right. It's not even close enough to walk to, so I'd have to drive. Um, and I'm just, I'm going to do it this way. I think the county, you know, if you live in a, in a sophisticated jurisdiction that has a history of, of good county methods, I think you're going to be safe no matter which way you choose. Mm -hmm. um, I worry about some counties that, and I worry about African-Americans who live in districts where there's really very few polling places on purpose because the state governors have done that. Uh, I worry about those kinds of jurisdictions. But boy, people, you know, you've seen even in the mail, the early voting in the recent days, there's long lines for early voting in person. Right. Uh, people are determined to cast their votes. Yes. And uh, that generally benefits Democrats. Right. Well, good. Uh, I, I think that was the whole point of yeah. him arguing about, okay. So uh, any last words, any, anything we should be on the lookout for? I mean, again, it's hard to watch the news every night. It's hard to listen to the spin after all these years, plus with the, the COVID on top of it. Yeah, I just think that people have to keep their heads and be very careful about anything you see on social media. I mean, if it's not somebody from you, you know personally uh, or know their history, 
don't read it because chances are it's not true. I mean, this information is a real issue. It's done by the Russians. It's done by domestic groups who are being paid in the background by super PACs. Uh, I think you just be careful what you read. Go to, go to mainstream sites. Um, be careful about what's opinion and what's a reported fact story. Opinions are often not labeled. So I just urge everybody to be very careful about what they read and the lessons they take from it. All right. Well, and how can we find, I mean, you're writing great stuff all the time. What's the easiest way to get access to your articles? Uh, rollcall.com. <laughs> Very well, simple. Rollcall.com. That's so simple. All yeah. right. It's perfect. Okay. Patrick Pexton from Washington. So lovely to see you as always. Thanks for enlightening us on this crazy world we're living in. Thanks, Kim. It is a pretty crazy world, but uh, good luck to all of you. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Bye. This is Kim Burns of What's the Story. Thanks for listening.